Welcome to episode two now of my still unbranded podcast series. Um, you know, as a, as a former U.S. history teacher and a long ago civics teacher, I distinctly recall teaching the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments on the heels of the Civil War. Certainly the particular attention we paid to the 14th Amendment for its guarantees to equal protection under the law. And then the Supreme Court cases that followed to, to challenge that amendment. Um, certainly Plessy versus Ferguson, uh, 1896, and its uh, famous or perhaps infamous uh, decision in favor of separate but equal. And then the Brown versus Board of Education case, 1954, uh, where it was decided that separate but equal was inherently unequal. But as, as a teacher, uh, there's a more recent case um, that may continue to be a part of our uh, national discussion, and that's uh, just this year in April, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals made a decision in uh, Gary B. et al. versus Whitmer et al. concerning the claims of inequitable resourcing of education in Detroit schools. And then broadly on the question of whether the Constitution actually guarantees an, ex an education to all its citizens. And in this case, the Court of Appeals reviewed educational cases decided by the Supreme Court in the past to ultimately uphold that education is a fundamental right, one that all Americans must enjoy equally. And I think what this case spotlights um, is that in 2020, uh, we are continuing to deal with the inequities that exist in our articulation of public education. And perhaps that these inequities are certainly informed by zip code, race, socioeconomic class, but that those inequities are perhaps being made more problematic the further technology advances in our world today. There's the 2017 documentary, Without a Net, which might have a complicated voice given that it was produced by the digital communication behemoth Verizon, but the documentary is nonetheless insightful for the story it tells of the digital divide and the ways in which not only access to digital tools is inequitable, but perhaps more importantly, that the access to reliable connectivity is an impediment to students' abilities to achieve um, in all of our schools. And sometimes the great chasm that is the digital divide is, is evident in systems just a few miles apart if the tax bases in those communities are quite disparate. I think further, I'm really becoming uh, a fan of the framing of the digital divide, not as a divide, but as digital differentiation since differentiation is more inclusive of the many ways in which that divide is evident or are evident, I suppose. Certainly in the types of devices that students have access to and in schools have on hand, the speed and reliability of connectivity, but also the degree to which the, the schools themselves control the range of accessible content. But I want to kind of pivot back for a second to that court case, Gary B. versus Whitmer. Um, because in the words of the court's formal opinion, um, those student plaintiffs had been deprived of access to literacy. So I want to think about this word literacy and then this idea of literacy and specifically the ways in which a basic minimum education are defined now two decades deep into the 21st century. Because reading and writing are hardly the only literacies that we expect of our students. The further technology is integrated into our classrooms, the more essential it becomes that the students develop critical media literacy, 
information literacy, digital literacy, emergent technology literacy, and multimodal literacy that synthesizes the different modes of communication. Renee Hobbs has great resources in this vein in critical media literacy, uh, and I'll link to some of her work um, in uh, the notes on my website. But ultimately, she's argued that the uh, critical that these critical media literacies are essential for citizens in our pluralistic democracy. I'd also recommend her seven great debates on media on the media literacy movement, which also serve to advance the football in this regard. I think the last thing I want to touch on today is the, on the subject of equitability of education. Uh, really drills down on on a micro view of all this and examines the role of teacher in our our teaching philosophies. Because if a minimum basic education is in fact inclusive of a digitally rich experience, then I think we should be mindful of how that's being executed in our classrooms. Because I think we have a responsibility to use technology to reduce barriers uh, to learning, to to model the kind of social justice that our communities are always trying to improve upon. Oakland University's Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning in Rochester, Michigan has a great YouTube playlist, a very simple walkthrough of the principles of universal design and learning, um, something that can be helpful to teachers and administrators um, coming to perceive the multiple means by which students engage with learning, the multiple means of presenting curricula, and the multiple means available for students to express their learning. I think we should be mindful that resources that are born in digital spaces aren't necessarily always born accessible to all learners. I think we ought not to design instruction with the same uh, deficiency mindset with which our states assess our learners, by which I mean that um, we ought not to apply technology to, for our diverse learners in individual levels uh, as interventions. I think instead we should apply it more broadly, proactively, and inclusively. Most importantly, I think we should lean into a strong culture of formative assessment, something that the digital can help facilitate as timely feedback's easier than ever, as is our students' ability to get that feedback from not only teachers, but, but classmates in the global community at large. I think this strong dedication, uh, dedication to formative assessment uh, also leans into universal design principles, specifically the, the principle of tolerance for error um, and seeing value in trial and error in the classroom, errorful learning. Um, I always tell my students that our space is an, an effortful space and an errorful space. Um, and that, that errorful learning is, is certainly supported by that, that strong feedback loop. So perhaps this digitally rich technology, uh, I'm sorry, the digitally rich pedagogy, um, a commitment to uh, formative assessment can serve to combat the, the damaging testing culture and uh, that now is, is really dominant in public education that, that limits students, uh, forcing them to make choices among predetermined options that are really poor windows into their knowledge and skill sets. So that's all I have for today. Um, I thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.